Welcome to Sports Buds Hockey Podcast, where we discuss the ins and outs of all things hockey and where everyone's perspective is appreciated. Please welcome your hosts, Merrick Zemp and Colin Simpson. Hello and welcome to Sports Buds Hockey Podcast, episode 18. My name is Merrick Zemp and with me as always is Colin Simpson. How are you doing tonight, Simps? Doing good, Mav. Yourself? Not too bad. Tough game to watch tonight, but that's okay. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, so tonight we're going to be discussing on tonight's podcast. Uh, we're going to be going through round two. Everybody's played three games. How are they doing? There's only eight teams left. Uh, and really, how are the Canadian teams doing? So we'll start with a couple of the other series and work our way back through the Canadian teams and uh, give them a good up- update, see what these guys can do. All right, first up, we've got the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes. Big metropolitan matchup there. Uh, really good start by Carolina. They went up 2-0, a couple of big blowout wins, 5-1, 6-1. And then New Jersey stormed right back. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see Carolina take such big wins in the beginning, just mainly because I thought Jersey was riding a little bit of high after kind of winning like three or four or four or five against uh, the Rangers. However, I guess it can't be too surprising. They did the exact same thing in the first round. They got pumped two straight games and they came back and won. It looked like it was a pretty much a blowout. That third game was a little bit closer looking in score than it was. I think they were up like 7-1 at one point, and they gave up two or three real quick ones to make it look a little closer than it was. So I think it was actually two shorthanded goals on the same power play, something like that. So, yeah, right, real fast, right together. And don't get me wrong, they pulled this off in the first round, but I think it's a recipe for disaster. I don't think you want to keep going behind two games. Getting blown out and then have to try to come back, you know, four and two the rest of the way. I think you're playing with fire, and I think I might bite them on this one. Carolina's a good team. They're very deep. Some of us picked them to go well well into the playoffs, so uh, I personally think that they, they've got a good chance in this series and continuing on. So, But it was good to see. A few notable things. Uh, Luke Hughes made his debut in this game, got some points with his brother, and there's a few other things. What else happened in this game, Sims? Uh, I think there was a high-sticking penalty that was a uh, fine on that for Tatar. I didn't see the penalty itself, but I was just kind of reminiscing with this. Uh, we'll get further into the other series, but there was another fine on Bennett. There's been a few lately in the playoffs that didn't kind of get suspensions like Bunting got. And I know there have been lots of complaints that Bennett didn't get one. But I'm a little frustrated still with the, the Players Association that a $5,000 fine is still a maximum fine. Uh, I get that like 20 years ago. But you can't come out and say you don't want this stuff to happen in your game and have a $5,000 fine. It's literally like us having dollar speeding tickets and then really wanting people to stop speeding. So a little bit of frustrating. I think if you're going to have these high-sticking penalties, these cross-checking penalties, and they're going to be dirty enough where you're looking at a fine, make the fine valuable or everything should be suspensions. Uh, Once you get to a point where there's no actual value attached to that number, then there's no point doing it anymore. Next up, we're going to talk about Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars. Obviously, Seattle doesn't even belong here. They shouldn't have made it past the first round. So, of course, they're up 2-1 to and absolutely ripped through Dallas in the last game to go up 2-1. Yeah, I don't know what happened in that third game. I did, really didn't expect Seattle to ever put up that kind of numbers offensively. I expect them to win games by a goal here or there. As first game, even though they got five, I expect those were the type of games I thought they'd win. They'd sneak those ones out, some overtime type things. But they kind of put a real good stamp on that series with that seven goals. Dallas is two to prove that they're not just going to be a team that can only squeak out games. They're a team that can take it to you as well. And I think Dallas has to get their, uh, you know what, together pretty quickly or a team an underdog like seattle could out of nowhere take the series quickly oh absolutely seven different scorers i think in that game sims 
Like it just goes to show you the the balanced attack. The everybody, every line can get a goal, uh, and I don't think there was any goals by Bjorkstrand, which is really the shocking part of it. I think. I was going to ask that how many by Bjorkstrand, but only one, not even one. That's crazy. So, but yeah, I think it was seven different scores and like thirteen different players got points or something, including two goalies. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Uh, so yeah, two one series, really good and really interesting to see if uh, Seattle could pull it off and and get to the next round. Uh, next one up, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. Well, 4-2 Florida, 3-2 Florida, and of course, 3-2 Florida in overtime. So um, obviously Toronto is in a deep, deep hole at this point. Well, I had mentioned it in uh, one of our previous podcasts, and I know it wasn't very popular to some Leafs fans of my uh, friends of mine, who when I made it clear that the Leafs didn't deserve to get through the Tampa series, and now we're seeing it. Like I, I made it clear before, I was tired of hearing people say like they've exercised the demons. They're a totally different team. They can battle adversity. They can do this. The stars are showing up now. Thirty-four points in the first series. All this stuff, and here we are down three nothing. Now, don't get me wrong. No blowouts. Games can go either way. But the fact is, you are no better than you have been the last three to four years. You're no better. You're the same team. You've swapped out some more guys. I thought Dubas did a good job. I'll bringing in some more sandpaper guys. He already brought in like six or seven guys at the, at the draft. Or sorry, the trade deadline. It was a third of the roster, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So they've done what I believe they needed to do. So if this doesn't speak to the core of this hockey team, like I watched Kipper today, and I'm not a big Kiprios fan when I watch his podcasts, but he's not wrong. This team has talent as much as all these other players. But uh, when you look at other top players, through the years, the Crosbys, all these guys that Matthews gets compared to from a skill level, he doesn't play with the passion. He doesn't get into the corners. They don't have players like Florida does, who maybe aren't as high in talent, but you watch their top players, Kachuk, Bennett, Reinhardt, Claire, Barkov. All, Barkov, all these guys, they'll go in and throw four check hits. They grind it through. So maybe having a little less talent. And a little more of that is the recipe compared to what Toronto's bringing. Yeah. No, and, and you see it. Uh, and they, like everybody says at this point, now now that they're three games in, you know, where's the core for? Again, they were pointless, no points at all. They have to show the determination that you see. That's where winners get it, right? That's where you, you actually show the medal that you need to be able to win series and to win games. And then, yeah, even just win shifts. And you just keep winning shifts until the game is over. And the problem is, it's not even like you're just not scoring. The fact is, it's the most important game possibly your career. And you're offensively gifted like Matthews. 50 goals, 60 goals. You can't get more than two shots in 60 minutes? I expect you, if you were trying hard, to get nine shots. Ten shots. I don't care if you're shooting from half. Like, the fact is, if you're not getting shots off, you're not playing. Oh, you're not trying because you can wrist shot from anywhere. The guy's yeah. got a snapper from like half a foot. Like he can take it without even any bit, like two tons of pressure on him off within half a second release. And you get two shots. Marner, like two shots. There was some guy in defense I've never heard of got three shots. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And really, I mean, in this series, they're getting beat up. They're getting manhandled. They're getting pushed around. They're getting everything. Like, and exactly when Florida needs to do it is when they're doing it. They push them around, they make the plays, they get where they need to be, and they, they get it done. doesn't matter if Toronto's up or they're up. doesn't matter if they're protecting a lead or trying to catch one. They just seem to get it done every time. 
All right, next series, the last and the best, uh, the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. So far, it's been back and forth, 6-4 uh, for Vegas, 5-1 Edmonton, and then 5-1 Vegas tonight. So, um, you know, when you're talking about the skills, guys, pushing hard and playing uh, a little bit extra, a little bit more gritty, all of that, I see the same thing in Vegas. I saw it all night tonight. You saw those guys, the Mark Stones. I watched them strip the puck off Oilers all night long. I don't know how many takeaways they actually had for him, but it should have been about 10. He played hard and gritty, and he didn't let anything buy him. And as soon as uh, some of the guys were getting angry, all of a sudden you got Oilers getting penalties all over the place. So that's it. You push them hard, and that's what happens. Well, And that's the key to when you're going to play against high offensive teams, just like Florida's doing to Toronto. When you're a high offensive team, you like smooth, flowing hockey, like power play type hockey, not this gritty, no one's got the possession of the puck for five, six minutes in a row. That's not playing to your strength. And Vegas has got a very good four-line depth defensive hockey team who can pitch in with goals. A team like the Oilers, who like to have a lot of flow to their game, like to have things you know, constantly being offensively moving. Like you said, you got these guys like Stone and them who are really good defensive forwards. They're disrupting the play so much, it's hard to get a rhythm. As an offensive, talented player, if there's no rhythm there, you just don't feel like you're in the game, you don't feel like you're playing your game, and you get frustrated. And once you get frustrated, your mind comes off it and you get caught up in all the ticky-tack stuff with these players. And now they know they're in your head and they'll just keep doing that over and over. And now you're completely forgotten about the offensive part of the game. And you're so worried about this little chirp here, a little stick here, a little bump here. From what I heard, I heard Kane got into it with a couple of guys again tonight. You could see kind of from the other night from that fight, there was all that talk about that one. Well, that's not where the uh, focus should be. It should be on the fact that Dreisel is scoring three goals, McDavid's flying around. Instead, all that people are talking about is the other stuff, and that favors Vegas strongly. Yeah. Well, and even with, uh, I think with Edmonton's grittier third and fourth line guys, you've got McLeod, you've got Fogel, you've got whatever, and those guys are also fast. They're quick guys. They go outside. They can make plays. They don't necessarily score as many goals as they could, and they're definitely not, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl or anything to that level. But when it comes to Gritty, they're not just hammer somebody and, you know, stand in front of the net. They're all quick. They're all fast, pretty good uh, skill guys. So they do try to make those plays. And like you said, they knock them off their rhythm too, not just the high-end guys. They're knocking everybody off their rhythm. And last game, they were all over them. There was no doubt everything else. And today was the exact opposite. So we'll see what happens in game four. Are we going to swing back the other way for Edmonton uh, to tie it up? Uh, or are they going to end up in a real big hole? And this was the worry for me for Edmonton because, as we talked about before, even coming into this when I predicted how it would go would be either the depth of Vegas or the star power of Edmonton. And part of the problem I'm seeing with Edmonton, even though they're playing well, is what is the percentage of goals that Leon has of the entire team. Put him and McDavid together again. Like If you have two guys who are scoring all the goals and the other team decides to play some good defensive hockey and just shut those two guys down, where's the rest of the scoring coming from? So in this 5-1 game, where's the rest of these guys? That's the thing. They, the game, they need more. They scored it. It was uh, Ryan setting it up to Fogel for the first goal on the first shot of the game. Correct. And then that but that's was one. It. But that's one. No, no, I know. I'm just that's the only goal they scored tonight, and yeah. they were the only guys that chipped in. And so it was that the goes first to show. shot. 
And that means you can't allow five. Because oh. if Leon and you know Connor aren't getting three, your supporting cast doesn't have the ability to score three on Vegas. Yeah. So either you got to pray that those two come out next game and have another hat trick from Dreisaitl, or you've got to find some somewhere some secondary scoring or go back to a crazy defensive game and do not let Vegas' depth come at you in waves. Keep it closer and then try to win it near the end. But I don't know. I still think they can do it. I think they have the offense to do it. But I'm just hoping uh, Vegas hasn't come up with a good recipe that's going to slow those guys down. Well, I think one of the biggest ones tonight, I think there was only maybe one power play. I think they had two. They said it was two on the the score sheet, but one of them was about 20 seconds after a four-on-four. So, I mean, you're looking at uh, the team, and that's Edmonton – or, sorry, Vegas was the the lowest – uh, lowest number of penalties in the league this year. If they can do that to Edmonton, that's all the difference. If they can make sure that they keep out of the penalty box and they were all for four, but they did have four good chances tonight where at least a couple of them were dry sidle. Another one was Kane. Uh, like you said, they're just getting in their heads and making it real tough for them. So yeah, they're gonna have to come up with something more than just being a power play team though. You oh can't yeah. Hope the, you can't hope the refs win you games. No. And, you know, in all honesty, I think that the power play has had such an effect on the games and the series that I think the, the refs are almost uh, second-guessing whether or not they need to call some of these. There was at one point in the first period, there was like three straight high sticks where they hit the Oilers in the face. No calls on any of them. They know how important it is. They know how big a, a, a part of the game it can be to have them on the power play. And I wonder if they're almost, you know, second guessing a little bit and making sure that, you know, how am I really going to call this knowing that this could change the face of the game today? I think that's any time in the playoffs. I think that's part of the reason why they put the, we used to say, put the whistles away. I think part of that is they don't want to be the guys who make the difference in a playoff game. But I don't know if it's that much. If you've already got four power plays and you still don't score, then I don't know if that really affects the game. You could be a fifth power play, so you're 0 for 5. No, I'm talking about the other way. The Oilers seem to be getting hit a lot, and with well, I, th- no I calls. thought you meant the. I thought the Oilers had went over four tonight. No, no, the Oilers were over two, and out of those, one oh, okay. was only about twenty seconds. So basically, they went over one. Fair. But yeah, and on those, there was very little. There was a few that were pretty pretty obvious shots to the face. There was one uh, last game actually. Kane was skating right towards the, the ref in front of the net, got clipped, and was bleeding. No call. So. Well. It does You're happen. Vander Kane, you get everything coming to you. True enough. Awesome. Well, I think we've got some uh, some really good series going on. Uh, we'll update you guys again shortly. We'll give it a few days here and see what happens. It's going to be some some real tight series here. There, there's a bunch two one. Obviously, Game Four is the most important for Toronto. It means they get to live for another day and actually head back to Toronto. Uh, for all the others, it uh, it either means a, a taking it to a best of three or. It means uh, somebody's in a big, big hole. So we'll see what happens with those series, and we'll update you guys soon. I just want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, the current episode and all previous episodes of Sports Buds Hockey Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Or you can check us out at www.sportsbuds.com or join our Facebook group, Sports Buds Hockey Podcast. Please leave a comment. Let us know what we got right, what we got wrong, and, of course, always let us know why. We love the game of hockey, and there's always so much to learn. It's been a lot of fun doing this for you guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Sips. Thanks, Mav. Have a great day. Cheers.